um, if you're aged 11 to um, 15 and 16 to 18, you can head out right now. Rose is going to be right at the back um, waiting for you to um, leave and you're going to have an incredible, incredible um, time. Rose has prepared an incredible, yeah, time for you guys. So brilliant. How's everyone? In case um, you haven't said hi to somebody you did not come with, can you turn to your neighbor, hopefully you didn't come with them, and say, how are you doing? How are you doing? How has your week been? Are you okay? What's life saying? Brilliant. All right. Brilliant, guys. I'm going to actually do the reading. I just realized I haven't done the reading. So, is that how engaged you are? <laughs> All right, brilliant, guys. I just realized I haven't done the reading. So, if we can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to read from verses 17 to 32. So, it says this. So, I tell you this. And insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your own former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let, it, let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Somebody say amen. amen. Wow. That whole lot of scripture packed a punch. And it's my privilege to get the opportunity to talk about it. And um, before I do that, I want to tell you a story. It's not a story, in fact. Um, this is coming out of some of the chapters of my own life and experiences. Um, I want to tell you about um, two young boys. One, I am going to call Peter. The other, I am going to call um, Derek. Yeah? And um, I've, I've changed their names. These are real people. This is real life experience. And um, I remember when Peter and 
Derek, first walked into a previous church I used to go to where I was the youth pastor and leader there. And I remember when they walked in, they were around 14 years old, and they had just come off that kind of street life, and at that age where they were really getting involved in gang culture, and they became passionately saved. They became Christians. God did something dramatic in their lives. And I began to watch them transform their lives. And um, it was an incredible journey to see. Um, they had a similar discipleship experience. And, um, um, and, and they came to obviously the same church. And just the other, um, I say two months ago, I celebrated uh, Peter's wedding day. I got an opportunity to go to his wedding day. He got married to a beautiful um, young woman. Uh, both of them are Christians. And he's on his way now to start an incredible life. Now, the crazy thing is, both of these two had the same experience of discipleship. The same Christian experience. Peter graduated from university with a first in theology. I remember when he sat in a room with me after doing his GCSEs because he had just failed and he thought he would not be able to do it. And I told him, listen, bro, you can do this. And he went back to school and he graduated with a first. He's getting married. The last time I saw Derek was when I went to visit him in prison. Because Derek couldn't seem to get rid of that gang culture lifestyle and finally caught up with him and he ended up in prison and the last time I saw him was when I was visiting him in prison. Both became Christians at the same time. Both, both had the same discipleship experience. Both attended the same church. Both seemed to express the same enthusiasm when they first became Christians. But two completely different ends. What happened? And I'm saying that story because I believe Paul in these verses actually begins to give us a window to the Christian experience and how it looks practically. This is where the rubber hits the road. And Paul is now saying, this is what it practically looks like to live out your Christian life. Because before we even go into and start breaking up these different chunks of verses, we have to look at the context and as we read the rest of these verses, I want you to remember Derek and Peter. And I want you to see whether or not what we're reading gives you answers to what could have happened. Is everybody with me? So, Paul has just come out of the context which Alice taught on last week beautifully. Um, He's just, read, um, uh, he's just come out of saying Ephesians 4, verse 11. I'll just read it for you very quickly to verse 13. So it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Listen to this. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you hear what Paul just said? He says, God's desire is that the apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers will equip the body of Christ to the point where we come to the full measure and expression 
of Jesus Christ himself. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? God. Paul is saying it is possible for the church on earth to come to the fullness of the measure of God himself. The church can be the full expression of God walking the earth. Mind blown. Right? But I know typically like whenever I read stuff like this in scripture, the first question I ask is how in the heck is that going to happen? And the verses we now come into are the verses where Paul begins to say, this is practically how this will happen. This is how a believer must conduct themselves in order for this reality, this vision, this grand vision to actually happen. Now, what I read was quite long, but I'm going to split everything I've just read into three chunks. The first two chunks will lay a foundation, right? And on that foundation, when, once Paul understands you understand that foundation, then he gives practical advice. Is everybody with me? So we're going to first look at the first two foundation Paul's lays. So verse 17, very quickly, let's jump into it. So verse 17 starts like this. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. So he's not just saying, listen, he's just saying, I'm not just saying something here. I'm telling you this and insist on it in the Lord. So we've got to listen now. What are you saying, Paul? That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Full stop. Five seconds. Look at me. Paul says, when you become a Christian, we can't live our lives like the Gentiles. Now, you're probably wondering, what is a Gentile? In simple and short, in the Jewish custom, a Gentile is anyone who did not have a covenant relationship with God. They didn't have a meaningful relationship with God. And so those were called Gentiles, right? And so Paul says, when you became a Christian, you came into a meaningful relationship with Jesus, right? And everyone who doesn't have that meaningful relationship is what we would call a Gentile. They don't know God the same way you know him. And Paul is saying, your lives cannot look the same as those who do not know God. And he's saying, I have to insist on this. You have to know this. Our lives cannot look the same. And just before you think Paul is about to spout off all these things that we're not supposed to be doing, he actually says something which is astonishing. He doesn't mention things you're going to do. He says, you must not look the same as the Gentiles or do the same things the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking. And Paul in the next verses begins to describe what I have called... Uh, this is just my name. I've called it the spiral of depravity. Right? The spiral of depravity. Or if you want to be a little bit more epic, we can call it the vortex of depravity. Right? But that's just me. Yeah? Probably my head, right? And, 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 when, and when I say the spiral of depravity or the vortex of depravity, right? What, what, what exactly do I mean? Yeah? It's this is how those who do not know God end up in moral decay. This is how sin creeps into 
people's lives. And when I say sin, I mean, I simply mean falling short of God's standard. What is God's standard? The Bible says God is love. Whenever we fall short of the standard of love, we are in sin. Jesus said this, if you love God with all their heart, with all their mind and all their strength, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you fulfill the whole commandment. So sinning is just simply falling short of the standard of God's love. Is everybody with me? That's what sin is. And Paul is saying here, whenever we fall into sin, whenever we get into this mix, we have caught, been caught up in this spiral of decline. And he shows us what it looks like. So here he goes, verse 17. He says, number one, he says, he says futile thinking in chapter 17. So it starts with a futile ideology, a corrupt way of thinking. In verses 18, he then says that their understanding was darkened. So it starts with a warped way of thinking. Then your understanding starts to become darkened, right? Is everybody with me, right? Can you see that, right? Um, in verse 18, and they darkened their understanding, right? And then, from then, he goes on to say again in verses 18, he says, their hardening of hearts. Then after their minds have been darkened, one plus one no longer equals two. One plus one equals, I don't know, is it five or is it 16? Because the understanding has been darkened. Then it starts to make their hearts hard. And then after their hearts have become hardened, then they give themselves to sensual living. Now, it's no longer about what makes sense to do. It's whatever feels good, do it. It's about the sensual desires. It's about how my body feels when I do stuff. And then, after all of that, he finally says, then they're given over to every kind of impurity. This is what we call the spiral of depravity. The vortex. Right? It's this thing that wants to suck those who do not know God into the center of this spiral that finally leads to them giving themselves over to every form of impurity. And Paul says, we, we're not of that crowd because you now know Jesus. So that's the first foundation stone that Paul lays. There is this vortex that is spinning and it starts with a way of thinking. Can I tell you something? I was musing over with my wife and we are just talking about scripture and we realized that when you look in the Bible, reading all the way from Genesis, all the way to Revelation. Every single time God calls a people or calls anyone and says, you are mine. That person automatically becomes at odds with popular culture. Automatically. In fact, try it. I challenge you. Go and read your Bible and try to find me anyone. All the prophets who we now celebrate, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they all got killed for what they were saying. Because it went against the grain of popular culture. And I'm here to submit to you that whenever you find yourself as being a believer in Jesus, always aligning with what popular culture thinks and says, it's time to do a Bible study. Because usually when God calls us, our ideology changes from those who do not know him. I promise it's going to get a bit more, uh, a bit better. It's a bit, it's a bit dramatic, but this is what Paul is laying. And he says it because he expects the Ephesians to know this foundation because he's, he's spent over two years teaching them. So he's just simply saying this stuff. And so I have to take time to explain it because they simply know it because Paul spent over two years teaching them. 
And so that's the first foundation stone. The second foundation stone, it starts in verse 20. Let's read this. It says this. That, how, that however is not the way you learnt. So he's saying we're not supposed to be given over to every form of impurity. That's not what we learnt as believers. We didn't learn that. He says that's not what you learned. Verse 21. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your own former way of life. Listen to this. And he says a beautiful phrase. To put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Oh my goodness. I'm about to say something here that has taken me, I don't know, probably 25 years of being a Christian and watching others be Christians learn. And I hope it will help you as much as it helped me once I understood this. Paul is saying, when you became Christians, something happened. And I want to use this, this analogy, and I'm so sorry, I've, 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 I've gotten into a habit of using, um, I've gotten into a habit of using this analogy, but um, it seems like every single time I do the talk, it just seems to be the right analogy, right? So, just give me a second. So, this right here is, is the cross, right? This is where our lives are changed. Everybody with me? Right? This is where everything changes. This is where we're in the spiral, or, yeah, the vortex of depravity. This is where we are Gentiles. We have no relationship with God. We don't know God. We just live in our lives. We don't know any better. Somebody tells us about Jesus, right? And we see the light. We come to the cross. Something happens. After the cross, there is life beyond the cross. Everybody with me? There is this life to be lived. Now, Paul says something very interesting. He says to put off your old self. So the analogy is, The analogy is, I am here, but guess what, when I'm here, this is my nature, it is who I am, it's all the things I don't want to do, or all the things I like doing, that everyone and the culture seems to say is okay, what's the big deal, man, if you watch a bit of crazy stuff in the night, you know what I'm talking about, a bit of... A bit of porn. I mean, everybody does it. Yeah, everybody goes out all night and gets plastered and absolutely wasted. Don't worry, everybody's cheated once in their lifetime. This is who we are. Right? You see Jesus. He transforms your life. Oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. Woo, I'm on this side. Oh, hallelujah. God has saved me. Thank you, Jesus. What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem? What, what, what's, what, what's this? Now, this is crazy. Listen to this. When I was here, this was my nature. When Jesus did his work in me, my nature inside changed. This simply became a garment. Is everybody hearing me? And do you know what we do every Sunday? We come, we lift up hands, we hear about what Jesus done on the cross, and do you know what we do? Oh, man. Oh, oh, do you see what's inside here? Oh, Jesus, thank you for all the work you've done. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, Chris, have you seen this? Oh, look at that. It's amazing, isn't it? 
Ah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm made in his image. I'm gorgeous. Yeah. All right, let's go have another week then. And we carry on like this. And Paul is saying, no, you've been transformed by the cross. And I'm telling you this because I've seen many Christians who become Christians who think nothing's changed. And he said, no, no, you've changed. But the change is the inside. And Paul says, take it off. And I'm telling you, I remember when I became a Christian. I loved Jesus with all my heart. But, mate, I had an issue with lust. And I'm not going to get too, 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 too critical here because there's still some young people in the, in the crowd. And some are watching online. But I had an issue with lust. And I've battled with lust until God said, Andrew, you are not lustful. You just have the garment of lust. Take it off. And so I began the process of taking it off. This is where you shout. <laughs> yeah, all right. So they took it off, right? And I leave it at the cross. Are you with me? Because my nature is changed. That's just a garment. It's not who I am. I, I know I used to get angry. That was my nature. But now I occasionally get angry. But really, I'm righteous. And God says, now you just need to take off anger. It's not who you are. And what the enemy does many times is he tells you nothing really changed. You didn't really change. No, you did change. But you've got to consciously take it off. And after you've consciously taken it off, guess what you have to do? This is at the cross when Jesus has done everything for you. And when we come to cross, God transforms our inward nature. Then he comes and he says, Andrew, I haven't just transformed you. I've got something for you. What you got for me, Lord? Well, you know how you used to struggle with lust? Yeah, 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 I know, I know. Well, now I guess I've got something for you. I've got purity. Oh, you got purity for me? Yeah, just put it on. It looks good on you. Oh, yeah. I like me some... Is that good? Yeah? And now, the life we live, we live transformed by the cross and empowered by the new garments God has given us to walk out a life fully righteous. Is everybody with me? But if you do not consciously take off the old man, the old man stays. And Paul gives us a warning. He says, if you keep that old garment on, it starts to deceive you. And this, remember Derek and Peter? Do you remember Derek and Peter? If you keep the old nature on, it starts to deceive you. And all of a sudden, what you knew God did on the cross, one day you wake up and say, did he really do anything? I mean, my old lifestyle wasn't really all that bad, was it? And God is saying, take it off. Literally, Paul says, and I'm going to um, read this. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, he says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened with sin's deceitfulness. You hear that? Sin's deceitfulness. When we keep doing and participating in the things God has set us free from when we are believers, it starts to warp our mind. 
And I'm here to submit to you that Christ has changed you. I'm going to take this off, not because I'm not being impure, but just because it's getting hot in here. <laughs> so those are the two foundation stones Paul lays. And we're going to start wrapping it up with the practical actions. He says, number one, understand that there is a vortex and it starts with a way of thinking that is sucking those who do not know God into it consistently. And he says, watch out for it. We're not of that crowd. And how do we know that? Because the way we think has changed. Then he says, foundation stone number two, you were transformed by the cross, but you still have an old nature on you. Paul says, take it off. And can I tell you something? I wish it was one act that you just do. But as all of us have realized, there's things you keep taking off. Anybody with me? Yeah, you, you take off one thing and you think, I'm good. Like I took off lust and I thought, Jesus, I'm good, yes. And then I, all of a sudden I kept looking carefully and I was like, what do I see? And I realized there was a lot of pride. I said, Andrew, you need to take that off. So at a certain point I had to come and say, I had to come back to Jesus and say, God, I've got something else I need to take off. And I had to take off pride. And God gave me a cloak of humility. The Bible literally says, put on the cloak of humility. It's interesting how the Bible's illustrations always line up. In Isaiah, some of us are here. And the Bible says, in Isaiah, he says, some of us have a garment of mourning. Some of us are depressed and anxious. But he says, put on a garment of praise and joy. So I don't know where you are. I don't know what cloak you're wearing. But I'm here to tell you, what Jesus did on the cross did transform you. It has changed you. Now, you just need to take off that old man and put on the new stuff God has for you. Is everybody hearing me? And now... We're going to finish off because now we have the mindset, the understanding to actually receive the rest of what Paul says because we have a foundation. And I'm going to read this very quickly and you can go home and you can read the rest and you can meditate on it because time is, 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 is far gone. But it says in verses 25 of Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Therefore each one of you must put off falsehoods. And speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Can you imagine if you showed up to church and everybody you spoke to was truthful? Now some of you are scared. <laughs> no, no, I mean truth and love. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean just, just, just being raw and truthful, right? I mean truth and love. Did you hear that? Truth, just check on your neighbor that heard me. Just tell them truth and love. Yeah, yeah. Because some of us want to be truthful, but uh, yeah. But anyway, right? Can you imagine a church where everybody was truthful? Where you would, you would actually um, walk down the corridor and say, how you been? And this is me. I, God always has to check me on this. How are you, Andrew? Oh, I'm Am I fine? No, I've actually had a very difficult week. And I appreciate people. There's people here at St. Peter's who, every time I speak to you, I ask them, how have you been? They literally tell me how they've been. And I love that. I love that they're honest with me because then I stop and say, hey, can I pray for you about that? Can I keep that on my prayer list? Because imagine being a church where we're all truthful. And Paul is saying, you can be truthful if you ignore the ideology of the Gentiles and if you have a foundation where you have taken off your old man. Now you can be truthful. Verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now here... You can get angry, but don't sin. 
Don't fall short of God's standard of love in your anger. Being angry is a part of life. We all get angry. Are you with me? Yeah? We all get angry. Don't look at your husband or your wife. I'm joking. We all get, I'm joking. We all get angry. Yeah? It's a part of life. Right? But Paul says, be angry and do not sin. And he also says this. He says, and, while you, and he says, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, you might be angry, but if you have this strong negative emotion, don't let the sun go down. In other words, don't let it linger. Why? Because this strong negative emotion might give a foothold for the devil. In other words, if you have a strong negative emotion, that spiral of depravity is always looming, waiting to try and grab you, to suck you in. And Paul's saying, you've got to be careful. You don't allow this strong negative emotion to last and linger too long. Deal with it. Verse 28, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Verses 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I remember when I read this verse, it changed my Christianity. I was around, I think, 17. Um, I think it was one morning time when I was spending time with the Lord. And I read this verse. And I, I was shocked by it. Because it says, do not let any. And I was shocked by that word, any. Any? Any? I was like, that's a, that's a tall order. And I began at that moment in my life to say, Jesus, I want you to curb my speech. I want to be able to say, I do not allow any unwholesome thing to come out of my mouth. I, I have this thing, it's sometimes even frustrating because whenever, whenever I'm talking about other people, even to my wife, I am very con con conscious of how I'm speaking about them. Because words have power. And so when I read this, I was like, oh, wow, any? All right, Lord, if this is it, give me the grace to do this. Because if it's in your word, you've given me the ability to do it. Did you hear me? If you read it in the Bible, God has given you the grace to do it. That's the only reason he can ask you of it. Or else he would be an unjust judge. He would judge you for something you couldn't do. God is not unjust. So every single time we read something in the Bible, we're empowered to be able to do it. Let's carry on. Um, it says, verse 29, I read one more. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is profound. The Bible says when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. He never leaves you. He's always with you. But the Bible teaches that as a believer, it's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's possible to hurt him as he lives with you. Because he's not going anywhere. He's promised to be with you always. And how do we grieve the Holy Spirit? When he consistently keeps speaking to us about certain things that come from that world. And we keep ignoring him. And we keep putting him off. And so Paul is saying, don't grieve him. He's promised to be with you, and he will be with you. He's not going to leave you, but don't grieve him. 
Isn't that so amazing that even the Holy Spirit being grieved remains with us? That for me shows the standard of God's love. I'm not just going to turn away because you're doing stuff that hurts me, but I'm going to stay with you in the pain because I love you and I'm covenanted to you. But Paul says, don't grieve him. He's with you, he's not gonna leave, but don't grieve him, don't hurt him. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. Some bitterness? He said, all bitterness. Anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And Paul finishes off all this stuff and all this list because you now have a foundation of what God is up to. God is saying we can be the fullness of Christ, the fullness of God in the earth as the church. But in order to do that, the rubber has to meet the road. We have to become believers who choose not to be like the Gentiles, those who have no relationship with God. Because guess what? They know no better. It's not about judging people. They don't know any better. But when we become Christians and we start spending time with God, learning from the scriptures, it says don't be like them. They don't know any better. Let's be different. But don't only just be different. Take off the old nature that used to do this stuff. Put on the new nature and then you will have the strength to practically live the Christian walk. And somebody said, amen and amen. All right, guys, I, I want to, as I wrap up, I was really thinking about this and I was saying, Lord, you know, how would you have us respond to this? It's quite a sobering word, sobering part of scripture, challenging us to actually do Christianity and to live it out. And I just felt that there were three groups um, of people who might be listening to this. The first one, you might be, you might be like, Andrew, I'm caught up in this vortex. I, I'm just, I'm in a spiral. I just feel like I'm always being sucked in and dragged into these things I, I, just, I just don't want to do. And, and, and I've never known that Jesus can change my nature. And you might be here and you're there. And you might have been in church for ages, but you've never actually said, actually, I want the power of the cross and what Jesus did to actually transform my heart. And that's the first group of people. The second group of people are, you're here. You've believed in Jesus. You, you know Jesus has transformed you. You know it's real. But you've been struggling with stuff that just seems to just doesn't want to let you go. And today you're like, I am going to take this off. And I'm going to take it off as an act of faith. I am going to take it off and I'm going to put on what God has for me and has always been there at the cross for me. Are you with me? So if we can all stand up, we're going to respond.